Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Alright, welcome back for another episode of the Cobracast with the Present VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Pres Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Etog, VP Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome, Etog. How are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm very well, mate. Yeah, it's good to hear. Good well. to hear. Uh, I didn't ask you on Monday. Did you enjoy the semifinals? Oh, mate. Cracking games of footy. Oh, fantastic. Cracking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were now anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, though. As you know, I've got into the rugby a little bit this year. The rugby league, that is. Not, yeah. Not Can we, we, I was going to cut you off there. You've got into rugby league because you started to put a lot of money in you. <laughs> That's why. That's one of the reasons. I've had a few come up short lately, but let's not get into that. But there were some good games of uh, rugby on the weekend gone, which is not the weekend, just gone the weekend before. At First the time week of recording. And uh, it was good to see the Storm. Get it, get it their way into another prelim, uh, which makes it bloody fifty years in a row or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was something ridiculous. I didn't say that state. It was something ridiculous. So, um, yeah, when you, I've never really been able to get into rugby at all. But when rugby started a little bit earlier than Aussie rules, I was, I was, you know, forced to watch it because there was not much else to watch. But I've got into it now, and I'm. I understand the game a bit more now, and I can I can see where some players. I, I kind of watch it with a different mindset, though. I see some players. I go, I reckon he'd be able to play Aussie rules. Oh, you should you, you should not watch it going. I reckon he could win me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's the hell. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah there's, there's a few blokes I reckon that uh, make the transition. You know, that Carmichael Hunt was one that. Did okay, but uh, there's a few out there that I reckon would uh, easily make the transition. Well, well, while you were watching the rugby, mate, I figured on Sunday, I obviously the footy was what Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. So Sunday, I was a bit of um, bit down. I was like, oh, there's no footy on. I've just brought some new parcels, new bar, sample body finals and waffle finals. And I sat myself at the bar, mate. I uh, watched myself a little bit of um. Oh, who was it? I think it was Glenelg and South Adelaide, I think it might have been. It was the first game that I watched. And um, I think it was South Adelaide. Yep, South Adelaide. And then I watched the uh, Woodville versus... Sorry, I don't know who the hell that team is. Um, oh, so who was our man Jimmy playing for? So no, Let me get to that. Let me get to that. I'm, I'm going first. So in the sand floor, I was a bit torn. I'm like, oh, who do I want to, who do I want to go for? And... I started the back and going out with the first game. I'm looking at the logo of South Adelaide going, shit, shit that, that logo looks familiar. I realised it was the team that Cardiff City partnered with, the Cardiff Panthers. So I, it was a lovely day here on Sunday. Didn't stop me from throwing the Cardiff body Panthers beanie on and cheering on South Adelaide, mate. So um, I'm, on South Adelaide, I'm on South Adelaide to go all the way down the sample. They have to go through the elimination final. They play... Um, yeah, Woodville this week in the semi-finals. But you also got the waffle. So I was explained to you earlier that the uh, daylight savings absolutely screwed me on Sunday. I was having a nice beer at the bar and I'm like, oh, sun's still out. Must be five o'clock. No, nope, it was like 7.30. And uh, that was this, the waffle was South Fremantle versus Claremont. And now, a club that's no longer with us anymore, we understand this, but uh, Claremont lost all three for the day. They lost the Seniors Reserves and the Colts grand final. 
So not, not, a, good, not a good day. But um, you asked who our mate Jimmy Miller was playing for. Now, uh, for blokes that don't know, this bloke called Jimmy Miller, he was he played Cerberus? Cerberus, mate. He, he played Cerberus. So Did he play he, um, I, I, was, I was literally just trying to Jeez. give you a handball. So this bloke, Jimmy Miller, he won, he's just won a waffle grand final. Back in 2018, eight, eight, eight. 18, when our reserves made the granny, we uh, made the granny, sorry, made the finals. We played down at Keys in Borchard. We got beat by a couple of goals to Frankston. Bank finals, you've already paid for the entry. So we figured, let's send a few more years before we head off to the pub to commiserate our season. Let's watch this game between Cerberus and Karen for some reason. Rings a bell. I'm not in Frankston. I think Frankston might have doubled up. Whoever it was, it was Cerberus. And this uh, by, by Jimmy Miller just clunking him. Well, the boys behind the boys in the use behind him just well, he become a fan favorite. Yeah, he became a cult hero. Yeah, you, you check the record and you go, "Who's that bloke?" J- Jimmy Miller. Jimmy, it was it was as a constant, and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure we got told off a couple of times to uh, calm down, and it was a bit of a well, hold on, we're a footy game cheering on this bloke. We're getting. We're getting around Jimmy Miller. He banged in four. Was Jimmy gives a wave and he gives a thumbs up. And next thing you know, he's off winning Waffle Grand Finals across in Perth. Yeah, and it's mate, it's no surprise he's over there winning Grand Finals as well. It was because he was a it was a, a very big point of contention with him even playing finals for Cerberus mm-hmm. because he hadn't played all season. So technically shouldn't have been eligible to play, but being service is a Navy team, um, which means players can come and go during a season and stuff. They got special permission for him to play. And I'm, and I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to put words in people's mouth, I'm actually pretty sure he wasn't even part of the Navy. I'm pretty sure it was his sister or something that was actually in the Navy or his partner, which actually gave him a little bit of uh, oh, grace. Geez. Yeah, I... I'm, Mate, sure I'm, getting, I'm not. I'm not. Because he's getting um, into the rumours, but because he, before he, before he made the trip across to the west, he did uh, spend a year down at my beloved Frankston Dolphins in the VFL, not the other team, but the my beloved um, Frankston Dolphins. But when I was watching the waffle, mate, now sitting there watching the waffle, having a, having a good old beer, watching another beer, watching the stubbies line up, and half time comes on, right, mate, and I'm looking at this guy going, buddy. You look a bit familiar. Your voice sounds familiar. Where the bloody hell do I know your voice from? Turns out, remember Xavier Ellis that played for uh, Hawthorne and West Coast? Yeah. Yep, it was him. Didn't recognise him, but recognised the voice because he is today's podcast recommendation. And uh, I've listened, I, I only got to come across it about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, just because I was at a podcast and work become a lot, you know, podcast all day, as you, you're fully aware. And um, so I've listened to all 15 episodes in the space of about two weeks, mate. And it's called, you tell me where you reckon I come across it. Xavier Ellis or the fact that it's called, it's time for a beer. As and soon I'll, as I've seen a podcast called, it's time for a beer, I'm like, God damn it, you're right. What is this? So Xavier Ellis was part of, uh, I think it was Channel 7's coverage of the finals. Uh, yeah. might have been the, was it the West Coast? I, it would have been it would have been the West Coast game because he's based across in Perth and he got into Perth, a little bit yeah. of trouble for, with uh with Caro's arrow and he come out and explained the story behind it and but when all right when I saw him and I'm like I'm looking at him on TV and I'm like he does look familiar but I tell you what he he looks like he's enjoyed a fair few beers since his playing days and he, he, he's he's more than happy to admit that and um like. I know you're not much of a podcast listener, Rift, but um, I reckon this one might be up your alley because he's chatted to blokes like you know Sam Mitchell, Luke, oh, Sam, yeah, Luke Hodge, Salwood, um, your mate Dylan Buckley, you know, them type of blokes, and Jared Ruffhead. And you're never going to actually probably find a more down to earth conversation. They literally sit there, they haven't as thanks to Bonamart having a beer and just talking about shit. Like it's nothing. It, Nothing to they talk about their careers and whatnot, but there's more sort of bit, behind bit the scenes cash. and a bit more cash and a bit of more of the stupid shit they've done in their times at playing footy and things that I feel like were a bit more. Um, I feel like a lot of players and 
X or X buyers and whatnot don't want to lift a curtain on that type of stuff. And it's, you know, it's a, you know, so it's called Xavier Ellis. Uh, it's time for a beer. And um, I love, one thing I love about is we constantly try and bang on about we need to try and get five stars. This boy gives out five. He said he's giving five stars. Sends you a nude. How good is that? <laughs> <laughs> so and that's when you listen to these podcasts, mate, because you actually understand the joke. So yeah, it's time for a beer. That one's cold. Um, now I'm going to give you another one. It's sort of like so. Not long ago, we had the conversation about Dylan Buckley, and you were going on, and I was a bit like, ah, oh, he's just a what? That's just finished AFL and now wanting to be stupid and get the media. And you sort of said to me, no, no, he, he was doing that when he was at Carlton and whatnot. So they, I jumped on his podcast, Dylan Friends. Yep. You were right. I was wrong. I'll admit, you know, he wasn't just a bloke that I thought was like a lot of these players that get out of AFL and decide I'm just going to be a fucking idiot to make money. And you said, no, he was doing that type of stupid shit at Carlton. So, yeah, Dylan Friends is also another good podcast I like to listen to. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I do have to thank you for that one because every time I come across him, I'm like, not listen to that. Like, it's just a dickhead. But, Dylan Friends. And then, uh, I, I feel like we have to. I'm in the LA cap. We've just spoke to uh, Rick Shabani from... LA Dragons. He does a podcast with uh, Tara, who we've spoken to from Denver Bulldogs. Um, Kraz, who we spoke to from Atlanta and Rome. And like, Ben Martin, I think he said, from Austin Crows. We didn't get him. I feel like we're a bit... We got ripped off there. We could have had the... the, the uh, Trifecta there. The quadruple. Yeah, the quaddy. Yeah, the quaddy being uh, Spring Carnival. Yep. But uh, that's got outside 50. So that's another great podcast. They're a bit of a hiatus at the moment, just did a you know, personal life becoming a bit hectic, but uh, they're going to get going. So I've mentioned Spring Carnival, mate. Before we get into this chat with um, Bud from South East London Giants, you ready for Spring Carnival, mate? I know you, you enjoy a bit of a punt lately. Uh, yeah, I follow a little bit. I'm not that huge into the horses. I don't mind it. I like, I like, I like watching the races, the big ones, and yeah. Well, how about, how about Grand Final Day, mate? You ready for Grand Final Day? Oh, yeah. There's still a couple of teams left that I don't really want to see make it, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing who gets through the prelims. I, I I just don't want Richmond to be there, to be honest. Yeah, no Richmond and O'Connor would be nice, but um, yeah. So the reason I mentioned that is because obviously my heart has been broken many, many times in this podcast. We've talked about grand final days and what they do, especially this year, because the fact that my grand final day has been knocked on the head and can no longer go ahead. Well. Good news, mate. Kelly has agreed. We're still doing a grand final day. It may just be me and her, but the kennel is going to be decked out with streamers and I'm going to have the 40 on one TV. I'm going to have the racing on another TV. I'm going to have the World Series going on another TV. But it's, as much as it's not a real grand final day with all the boys here, I'm still going to be very, very strong on the Sunday. Yeah, nice. Uh, the only thing I... I think there's going to be a big UFC on the exact same day as the grand final, which is beauty. Another TV set up in the so, camera. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might have all my monitors going with footy and fights and racing. I've, and I've even, I've even else. done it a bit more. So obviously, three set the bar up and whatnot. Of a the old iPad holder I used to have here is now set up behind the bar. I'm even going to have that set up as a little TAB betting station for the day, being the fact it is Cox Plate. So. When I, I need to put a bet on, I can walk across there, put it on. Instead of, not instead of my phone, I actually have to get up and physically walk across as you would at the pub. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, house bubbles are allowed by then. So I can at least have you know, the house that we're going to bubble with here for that day, which could turn into a bit of a, a bit of a mess. But good news. Uh, Mama H has agreed to take the juice for the night. So no issues there. Don't, don't, I'm not being a bad parent. Just get that clear. <laughs> the kid won't be here. Oh, I just assumed the juice was getting on the punt and, you know, I, I, first... I, I said to me, Mum, I'm like, I can't go about six o'clock. She'll be right. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be licking up with some our formula. And... <laughs> All right. So you mentioned we're heading over to London to speak to the South East London Giants. We've got Bud and Maz from uh, the Giants. Yeah, it's a good uh, chat. So it was a little while ago now, I think we've done this one. Yeah, a few weeks ago, but yeah, the... just another London club to, to add to the list. We're, we're getting close to covering all of London now. I think we've we got the Swans. I think, we've got, I think we've got London, so the actual London Swans. And I think West London Wildcats, the, the powerhouses of Europe, I'm pretty sure we've yet to do. But um, what one thing that did stand out to me a lot with 
um, the Giants was their inclusion and the way they promoted their inclusion of um, all the... You know, it's happened in the podcast. I try and, in this episode, I try and... Normally, you're the one that takes the reins and does the, the serious Mate, stuff. And I'm the, Jeez, I, I know. I, I thought the second time around, you're going to get it. Uh, it's got, I've, <laughs> Inclusivity? No, know. is it the LGBT... Yeah, yeah that's that, that, I, I couldn't remember the name of the, the community. That's all, no no disrespect to anybody, but in, in the podcast, I do. I for, I forgot to bring it up, bring it to your attention. So I'm like, shit, I now need to do this serious question. And so to say, I uh, was very very uncertain of my words. Yes, <laughs> but in 2020, mate, you got to be very very careful what you say. We um don't want the club to get cancelled from some words of that dog. That would be. Not very good. No, well, and it's it's not a, it's not just about getting cancelled. It's about being understanding, and we like to be understanding of others. And um, the the London Giants are, are doing a great job of being an inclusive club and and being understanding of others. And not everyone, you know, fits the mold of a beer drinking burly bloke that plays footy. You know, footy players come in all different shapes and sizes and genders and all different things. So. Um, I, I'll tell you what, mate. If I uh, had have caught wind of their uh, special jumpers a little bit earlier, mate, I definitely reckon I would have forked out for one with the uh, the pride and the Black Lives Matter and the um, the NHS they called across the National Health Service. They paid a lot of respect to them in this uh, COVID situation. So, yeah, I think yeah. it definitely yeah, would have definitely uh, made a caught wind of their jumpers a bit earlier. I would have uh, definitely thrown one on. And I, I do think I know it's a special training jumper. But I feel like they. Might even make an appearance in the next uh, best jump in the world. Yeah, nice. It's up there. I don't think we need to uh, just stay with certain whatever your club jumper. You got a good jumper, yeah. Get it to us. We're gonna do it. And um, well, we are speaking of club in London, mate. How's the training going for uh, the Movember? Oh, mate, FIFA it is Cup absolutely with, uh... up, up, up to shit, mate. Absolutely <laughs> up to shit. Uh, I spoke the other day. I've got, I'm on FIFA 21. There's just, there's just a few little tweaks in that game that make it a bit difficult to do with 20. But, Mark, trust me, once this gets going, I, I, the PlayStation again is going to be the hard part. I'm going to need to go get a PlayStation for the day. But uh, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident. I, I, I feel like um, I feel like we need to do because I'm going to guess they'll be playing with the... Um, I'm hoping they're going to be playing with even teams as they do with... There is Madden. There's that even teams... Um, setting you can do. I think we need to go find a team that has our colours. Oh, yeah. We would we, dive deep trying to find the closest top we can to have our colours, the closest. And we find the only team in the world that's called Cobras and FIFA. But we go searching for them and that's who we are. Yep. And I, you know, I don't see any issue, any issue with that. So you don't want to play as Liverpool then? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, uh, <laughs> on that note, let's get into it. Let's go chat to Bud and Maz from uh, South East London Giants, and we'll catch you next week. All right, today we would like to welcome uh, two guests from the South East London Giants. We have Bud and Maz. Welcome to the show, guys. G'day. How's it going? Uh, very well. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are on a tight schedule, so we'll get straight into it. Um, and we'll start off with uh, Bud. Um, how did you come across footy over in London? I come across about 10 years ago for the usual two-year stint. Uh, come across in the end of the summer. Uh, moved down kind of southeast London because me now wife's got family around there and just kind of missed the granny, I think, for a week. But then, like a lot of people, you kind of have a look in to see what's happening. Um, found a local club about... 10Ks away from where I was and, yeah, got involved kind of from 2012 onwards. So that's when the um, the Giants were the Dragons back then. They kind of started back in 2008 as the Dulwich Dragons. And it was just the one club, uh, one team, one club in getting involved kind of in the local area. And they were playing just down on a common with uh, the Oz, Oz kick goals made out of PVC. Like they all kind of were, you know, just a bunch of blokes coming around and having a kick. So it was good to get involved from that point. And then obviously then uh, kind of later on in 2012, the Giants got involved back at GWS and we kind of amalgamated slash 
took their name on and the rest is kind of no doubt what we'll talk about. Yeah, nice. It's um, been great to hear about all the clubs that the Giants have got involved with and supported. But how about you, Maz? How did you get involved with the Giants over there? Um, I was, well, I've been here a long time. So um, I was sort of like just looking for, for, I guess, some sort of footy just to see if it existed over in London. And I think it was about 2013, I, I looked up looked up AFL, came up with the Dulwich Dragons, but um, couldn't really see where they, where they played. They were like, looked like they were five minutes away from me. Um, and then one day I saw a video on Facebook showing a uh, team down, down in Peckham. So I wandered down, stalked the club for, for like half a season and then happened to meet um, Bud and the then um, President David um, in a pub and it just sort of rolled on from there. Yeah, nice. Um, social media is a wonderful thing. In fact, the things that you find using it. Um, so how did the club go in its first season as the Giants or even when they were the Dragons, I think you said? Yeah, so the AFL London League's kind of um, grown and everything. So that kicked off back in 1990. Um, I think it was a couple of fellas, obviously, when I come across, they were living up kind of northwest, which the Giants are both southeast. So at one stage they were living in this joint, uh, I think it was six bed house, 17 of them living in there. <laughs> Typical Aussie traveller kind of goings on. So they had a load of tradies and a load of different ones that had convert caravans and old sheds and old chook sheds into rooms. So they're having to pay it on the cheap so they could obviously rent it for 50 or 60 quid and then go traveling. So when I joined in kind of 2012, there was, I think, two thirds of the team lived in the one house. Um, and then obviously, yeah, they were playing in a, the middle kind of conference division, pretty handy division, that one. So the reason they kind of have different divisions over here is to ensure the number of Aussies that play on the field to ensure that the local British talent and European talent can obviously get out there too and kind of show their wares. So I think that year, 2012, went, I think it was one and nine. <laughs> um, obviously, you can't really look at it in regards to it wasn't a bad season. Like there was two, two or three um, close losses, but yeah, it was one of those ones that was competitive throughout. That's yeah, all you can ask for as long as you're competitive. And so you guys also have a women's team. So where did that get started, and how did it come about? So in um, in 2014, I think it was, um, AFL London did like an exhibition match or they wanted to set up a women's exhibition match on the day of the grand final. And um, I think we, we played, oh gosh, it might have been like an eight-a-side, eight-a-side women's scratch, 10-minute 10 10 minute half in the middle of the, um, at half time. Um, and, and at that point, I sort of, I said to our, our president, then I said, why? why don't the women play? Like, why don't we have a league? And he just sort of like said, if, if you want it to happen, like we'll make it happen. So, so um, I think that was August by, by November, we had um, two other clubs that were, that were keen to get like a women's league going. Um, and, and then by the following April, we had four clubs that were willing to, to, like, to play footy. So, so it just it literally just kicked off within like six months. Um, I know, I think there was um, one of the teams, I think Wimbledon had a couple of girls that had been training with the boys um, before the league got, got started. But um, we essentially, we essentially all met in November 2014 and just, and just sort of like got it going. So it's quite, it's quite impressive really to, to go from nothing to have four, four clubs, you know, it took a while, I think, for clubs to get, get, get players. Um, but, but we played, we played full a full season with four teams, so it's was, it was quite cool. Oh, that is that is cool, and a quick turnaround to you know plant the seed of the idea, and then to have four teams going so quickly is pretty good. But how did uh, your women's team go in that first season, and and how many actual players did you have for the girls then? Um, so we we struggled a little bit the first season. I think, um, gosh, in February I had probably about three women. <laughs> And then um, come April, I think in our first game, we had about 12 or 13. So I was quite lucky that um, there's a Gaelic football team that, that, um, that I used to play with. And I managed to pull about six or seven of the Gaelic girls for those, for those first couple of games. 
Um, so, so we played our first game on, on Anzac Day in 2015. Um, it was um, against the North London Lions and um, we actually won that game. We did, we did quite well. Um, after that, it didn't go so well. We, I don't think we won a game for the rest of the season. Um, but, um, you know, I guess you have to appreciate that all of the girls that were playing had never played Aussie rules before. Um, like I'd, I'd kicked around in, in the back garden, like with my brother and my cousins, but never, never properly played an AFL game. So, so you've got heaps of people learning a skill that they've never done before. Um, so it's just a growth, it's just growth period really. Yes. Um, so, you know, one of the common stories, uh, that we hear about the, the Gaelic girls taking the game up, which is great. And, um, uh, it's good to see a few of them. Uh, embracing the Aussie game and um, so how hard has it been to sort of recruit players and keep the keep fresh players coming in throughout the years? Um, for the first season it was hard and then I think the um, the women's the AFL women started in 2016 I think it was and that and that sort of catapulted the the league as well so um, in 2016 I think we recruited double the number of players and and you saw the growth in the league, like league wide. Um, so, so that definitely helped. And then from there, we sort of like, you pick up a lot of local players. So it's not, it's from our club perspective, I think we're quite lucky. It's not just Aussie girls or Aussie guys that we've got. We've got a good breadth of, of um, British players, um, some South Africans, like, you know, some other international players. So, and it's, it's those players that, have, that keep the club, the clubs abreast. Cause if we can't get the local people to play the game, you know, people who come over here on two year visa are going to disappear and the club's just going like, to disappear with them. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> I thought you were up next for some reason. My apologies. Um, so where about you guys trying to play? So we did in the year. Um, it split across two different regions. I think it was when I kind of, uh, at the end of 2012, um, like I made mention there, there was a large amount of people that lived in the one house, but they all did what they kind of do and have their two-year stint in the UK and take off. So I got approached from... Uh, a chap who was trying to start a team out in East London. He kind of um, approached me, like you said, the previous uh, president called David. So he approached us to say, um, do you want to try and have a bit of a head coach role? And I only really played the one season, played full back, obviously barked at everyone from down that way, as you do from that position and kind of said, look, let's kind of pick it up. So we, we had to kind of rebuild the club from myself, two remaining players and himself from kind of 2013 onwards. So we did that from over in Victoria Park, which is based in East London. Uh, we used to train there kind of from Easter onwards, just simply for the fact that we couldn't train any earlier because it was the off season over here is quite harsh compared to it is back home. So um, yeah, we kind of train over in East London um, on a Tuesday generally. And then we go down to Peck and Wright Common, which is South East London kind of where we play our home games. Yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, I can imagine the off-season would be uh, nice and cold across there. <laughs> yeah, it could be quite treacherous. We've had certain weeks where we've had that uh, piss and rain or, you know, sleet and snow, but, you know, that's hand in hand. We're living over it. Well, that's it. Um, so has the club had any success throughout its time? Yeah, well, from the, uh, like I said, from the, from the male point of view, we kind of started rebuilding kind of 2013. Um, we dropped back down into a kind of a social league just to be able to give it an opportunity for those that are half remaining and those that are coming in locally to have a go. And we made finals, I think, just in our first year back in that uh, 2014, the year the uh, ladies had their kind of inaugural scratch match. We actually made the social grand final. Um, Lost that one by a solitary point, which was obviously heartbreaking. Um, and then, yeah, the ladies got going kind of 2015. I'll let you take over from there, Matt. Um, we um, played in, so, so we had lots of up and downs so like seasons. Um, and then we played in the grand final in 
2017, I think we played in the grand final. We lost to the to the Wandsworth Demons. So, so and then and we've sort of like we've we've managed you know finals each each season after that. Um, you know, generally get to prelim, but the team, teams that we've been playing have been quite strong. So, so it's, it's hard to get past them. Oh, well, hopefully, you know, maybe 2021 you guys get past them. So it says on your Facebook page that. You guys were also awarded the uh, AFL London Club of the Year in 2014. What, uh, what's that award for exactly? So generally what that is, um, it's kind of voted from a number of different aspects from each other club. So um, obviously not having home grounds kind of like you would do back home with clubhouses and like, you know, sponsors on the fence and like full scoreboards and all that kind of goes on. It's very difficult over here to be able to kind of put on kind of the home ground aspect feel that you would do at any other kind of club that's kind of situated in like a ground or a stadium. So what we kind of pride ourselves on, especially at the Giants, is kind of a home ground feel. So we try to ensure, because we play over the summer over here and the heat and everything like that isn't quite as intense as it is back in Oz, but it kind of hits you in a different way when you're playing a 30 degree day at 90% humidity on a Saturday. Um, we kind of try and, you know, we put up gazebos on, because we play on commons and whatnot, we have, you know, really well manicured ground. Um, I think it was 2014, I ended up hitting up a mate of mine who worked in the scaffold game and we actually got some solidified goalposts put in. Um, you know, the likes of having just the right kind of home ground feel. And then obviously just being a real open and honest club, you know, you put on a bit of a show, then afterwards people travel to get to you and no one's obviously paid to play over here. So we ensure that we, any sponsors or any pubs that we can kind of hook up with, we end up going back there with whoever the traveling team are and put on a bit of a show. And yeah, that's kind of voted across the board. So that was something like we said, we pride ourselves on field as well as off field. And, that was, we were voted kind of best of field that year. Yeah, nice. It'd uh, be good to, you know, have have that honour and I'm sure all the other clubs can, can vouch for it, how, uh, how much you guys uh, put in and, you know, with most clubs not even getting a, a decent ground to play on, they're having to clear potholes and fill, or fill in potholes and clear people off parks before they get to play their games, so fact that you guys actually put up gazebos and do all that and actually have a nice ground I think that they probably uh, appreciate that very much but um, I'd say you need a fair few sponsors to help you out with all that sort of stuff so how hard have you found it getting sponsors for the club and, and maintaining them throughout the years? So the difficult aspect obviously is getting um, sponsors to understand what we are and who we do so in regards to just State to someone in the UK is like, we play Aussie rules. They kind of look at you like you've got two heads. And they're kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? So you kind of obviously have to break down the barrier of explaining what the sport is. But not only that, we kind of localised um, pubs and then obviously any kind of businesses that players might obviously either work for or own themselves. Um, we kind of utilise our platform from either a social media standpoint or word of mouth or localised to kind of get them involved. So, you know, like one of the fellas has come along at one stage who's a self-employed physio. So obviously it's only right to kind of get his name kind of on the back of the training shirts just to give him a bit of a platform to get his name out there. And like everything, you've got to do it kind of in trials and tribulations. You can't just walk up to a place and say, give us a load of money, because like I said, no one knows anything about the sport, let alone. So, yeah, it's been one of those ones that over the years, um, we've been fortunate enough to have a strong Irish connection, kind of like um, Maz has said there in regards to the Gaelic. So we've been able to call home to a few different pubs, which not only allow us to have a bit of a kind of like a home kick on after a game or something like that, but, you know, somewhere after training, they put on feed and, even in regards to storing some of our footy gear because, like we said, we either split all the footies between everyone or, you know, like we put up gazebos and goalpost pads and all that. The pubs have been kind enough in the past to kind of put that in their cellar and put up with us drinking in their pubs. So. Uh, that's nice. And 
Um, so on the social side of stuff, do you, what other um, you know, formal type of functions do you guys hold for the club? We do a fair bit throughout throughout the year. So, um, so before the season gets going, we tend to have like a pre-season launch. Um, so we get all the players together and um, hand out hand out polos, or if we've got um, you know playing tops, we'll hand out playing tops to the players. Um, and then as as the summer progresses, like Bud said, we we'll have barbecues, not barbecues on the ground, sorry, because we're not allowed to. But like at, at, back at the sponsor pubs, we'll have like barbecues. Um, usually a good pub crawl in the middle of the summer. So so we've had a, a few good themed superhero and orange coloured um, pub crawls. So it's brought out a few interesting costumes. Um, and luckily for us, we're in London. So when you dress up like that, no one really takes much notice. Um, um, and then as, as we sort of like progress through the season, we will have like an end of end of season dinner uh, presentation. Um, but but throughout throughout the season, we're constantly like speaking to our players, and there isn't sort of like a week where you don't hear from someone that says, "Oh, we're heading out to the pub. Let's let's just go for a drink." Yeah, and obviously, nice. we'll have like our we've we've done a lot of pre-season trips. So so we were lucky enough to go out um, one year to go out and play in Iceland, which was a bit different. I don't think many clubs have gone out and played um, footy in, in in Iceland, which was a lot colder than than anything we've ever played out over here. Um, um, and um, I think, but we've gone out to Denmark and Sweden and you know stuff like that. So it's been nice for people that are travelling. They've been able to travel and see a little bit of Europe as they as they play their footy. Um, and your obligatory, I guess, end of season end of season trips. So so yeah, so there's a few functions that happen happen throughout the year just to to keep the club, the club going. Yeah, I think you're about the sixty second club we've spoken to. And I'm pretty sure, Richie, that's the first time I've heard someone going to Iceland to play footy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, so you, your club's um, is a very inclusive club, and you um, are very supportive of the LGBTQ community. I can see from your social media, which includes things like wearing pride, uh, pride socks, and doing the London Pride March, um, and I'm going to, and also your latest training singlet. Um, the pride and the NHS and Black Lives Matter, all that type of stuff. Uh, do you guys feel it's important to get out in the community and help just promote, not promote, not raise awareness? Yeah, to apologise. This is Rifty normally touches on these type of subjects, and I'm normally the one that just sits back for the um, joking questions. So, um, do you guys feel it's important to get out in community and help support um, the LGBTQ community? Yeah, I think so. I think. We, we pride ourselves on being on um, in an inclusive club. Like, you know, we've never turned away anyone regardless of um, race or, or gender or, or, you know, what, or beliefs really. So I think, I think it's important to support, to, to support, support these things. Yeah. No, I, I apologize for my question. I said, Rifty's normally the one that asks the serious questions and I forgot to tell him about that one. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Don't make sure you don't, say anything wrong or whatever. So I do apologise if I stumbled across my words there. That's right. I think, I think this year is probably um, more important. With everything that's happened, you know, I think it, it's quite important to get behind, you know, everyone. And, and you know, the, and there's a lot in, in our footy club. We have a lot of people that work for the NHS, like nurses and, and all that sort of stuff. And they, they do an amazing job. So to be able to recognise that on, on our playing tops, I think is, is, is quite good. Yeah, I think I speak on behalf of both myself and Rifty when I say that from speaking to sort of North London Lions and you guys, other London clubs, the London clubs seem to be recognising our frontline staff a lot better than what Australian football clubs are, I think, anyway, Rifty. Like, I can't think it, of any social media. It's probably media more that in, in the UK, we, I think we've been hit by it a lot, a lot more than what, you know, in Australia. And although I appreciate that Melbourne and Victoria sort of like in in sort of like the lockdown stages that we were three or four months ago. Um, but I think when you look at the scale of numbers, the risk that these guys are putting themselves at, you know, day by day is, you know, quadrupled really. So, so they do an amazing job to get, to get through what they have to every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure everybody in London is very, very thankful. Everyone in England, sorry, is very thankful of them. Um, so you mentioned you've done a few end of season footy trips. So where's the, uh, the best place you've gone to? the most memorable footy trip? 
Oh gosh, but what do you reckon? Um, well, well, I generally kind of let the riffraff go and do their thing. Um, I get involved in the footy side of things from the pre-season. Um, yeah, my wife's kind of had enough by the time it gets to the end of the season. She's like, well, I'll let them go and crack on it. I'm normally kind of, yeah, sat at home when that's going on. So, no, they've gone Zagreb. Uh, I think they've gone Turkey. Uh, Maz, you've probably joined last in. Last year, last year I think the guys went down to um, to Spain. So, um, uh, so, so that was quite a uh, Mabea, I think, way. So, I think they quite enjoyed their time out on the beach. And um, the year before that, we were out in France, in Marseille. So... You know, we were able to hire out like, you know, huge Airbnb houses with nice pools. So, so we've had a few good um, end of end of season trips. Um, yeah, and the pre-season trips, I think um, the trip out to Zagreb was, was amazing. I've never played as much wet weather footy as we did that day. I think, I think we were literally swimming in, in like in a little river by the time we finished playing. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's just surreal really. So... Yeah, so me and uh, Ed Dog went on our first footy trip last year. Uh, I'm similar to Bud there. I, you know, I've got a few. I've got three kids at home, so my kids were old enough, and the missus finally let me go on a footy trip. And ours involves flying up to Sydney and then a, a two two night cruise back to Melbourne. And you guys are over there. Oh, we just went to Spain. We went to Paris. Uh, you know, <laughs> our, our cruise was pretty cool. I'm sitting here as she's going Paris and that. I'm, I must say, I'm like. Footy clubs here go to Bendigo. Like that's yeah. their footy yeah. Yeah. Right. They go to Bendigo. So, oh, they... we're, very, uh, we're awfully spoiled for that regard. Like, sadly, this year, like it would have probably been our most localized preseason trip to Scotland. We were going to join a tournament up in um, Edinburgh for the Haggis Cup. That I think the Friday before, the day before, literally is in the start of March. There is when they kind of pulled the pin on any contact sport and. That's when we kind of probably had to pull the pin ourselves up until most recently since we've just kind of done some social distance training. But, yeah, as everyone else is aware, 2020 has been a bit of a no-go. I think, I think the Iceland trip was quite a big highlight for the club too. Like, the stuff that you've been able to go out and see, like you playing footy in, in the middle of, of nowhere, really, but then going out to, like, um, like, the Blue Lagoon and, like, checking out the Northern Lights and... Iceland has such beautiful nature. It's just, it's, was, it's quite an amazing place to visit. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. So when we first started doing this, episode, this show, I'd done the questions. And the only reason I had the footy trip question in there was because I had no idea. I'm like, I've got eight questions. I need more. And it's turned out to be probably my favourite question because you hear of the places that clubs like yours get to go to. And I said, we go to Bendigo if we're lucky for some years. So it's incredible the places that footy clubs are over in Europe are able to you know, venture off to to play, to play footy and have an end-of-season footy trip. Yeah. It's been quite interesting in the last sort of like four or five years seeing um, the breadth of where footy's played like throughout Europe. So you've got teams, um, I think teams starting up in the last couple of years in Bulgaria and um, and Poland and stuff like that. So so there's always, I don't think there's ever, a, there's always choice for where, you know, where you want to go to just to see somewhere somewhere different. Yeah, it's definitely uh, plenty of options for you guys over there, that's for sure. And um, with all the, the Giants clubs popping up somewhere, that might be something you guys have to get a Giants tournament going and go over to Zurich or, you know, one of those other places that started up a, a Giants. And um, Scotland and Denmark, I think, have both got Giants teams. So so we can have our own little mini mini Giant tournament. Yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, you even head over to the States one year and play with the, um, was it? The OC, there's a OC Giants, of yeah. Indianapolis as well. I'm pretty sure Giants. Mate, you could, yeah, we've could been get... um, we've been invited across there for their kind of annual October tournament. I think it's down in Tampa Bay. Um, they played their kind of um, what we'd class as their kind of lightning premierships, I believe, for the kind of best of the rest type goings on. And um, it was just a little bit too late. I think they asked us about a month out, and everyone's been like, "Well, the US." <laughs> as close as it is in regards to, you know, compared to Oz, it's, you know, seven hours away. It's probably not exactly your weekend trip up the Bendigo kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you might need it. 2021, it might be the go. Once, you know, you can start flying around the world again, get a 
a big Giants Cup going somewhere. And um, yeah, all right. So, what about the positions you play? What what uh, you mentioned? You're a fullback. You're still playing down fullback. And and what about you, Maz? Um, so I'm I'm the opposite end to Bart. I play I play up in the in the forward line. So I've always sort of like played full forward, half forward, um, and dabbled a little bit in the middle last year, but not very much because I'm too old and too slow for the middle. Well, unfortunately, um, weeded me way out of full back there last year and just kind of put me stamp on full forward and played my whole life at fullback, so I have a bit of an idea what to do against the fellas and actually ended up winning the goal kicking, so it wasn't too bad. Oh, nice. You got a, got a couple of good people In, in here, three really. games, Bud nearly came out with the, with the, um, with the goal kicking, uh, with the Coleman medal, basically, for London. <laughs> Missed Sam. out by a couple of goals, I think. <laughs> so how many did you kick? Uh, Was that 11 or 12 eat. goals in Close three that. games, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how many you kick. How many did you kick for the year? Yeah, like I think Maz said there in the back. I think it was eleven or twelve. But my um, my son was born halfway through the season, so yeah, I think I missed three games. So for the finished off up there, yeah, it would have been all right to take the chockies for the league. But you know, like I said, it was more like I said, I did I did it for the fact of uh, very similar to Maz. I'm getting a little bit slow to be chasing them, so I want to be chased now. So just use the bit of the body and you know I know exactly where the goals are I'm normally picking the ball up from the middle of them kicking the bastard out from most of the life so I know exactly where to aim from them you know <laughs> no, nice so he's look at that Ed Dog he's graduated up forward now you can usually Ed Dog's hanging shit on blokes because they started up forward and they didn't, didn't kick a goal one week and so they got sent down <laughs> to the back line he's like yeah well not everyone can handle it up forward so, the pressure was on, I think, when I got released. Practically, you know, there was almost a post there. That I think we went live when they named the team. It was that bloody full-on because everyone just knows me, bud, from full-back. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, when um, I coached the men's team there for four years, and it was a brilliant vantage point to be a player coach from full-back, so you could obviously see everything from that point as well as, yeah, I like Maz would probably know... I'd come off horse almost every game anyway because I'm quite a vocal player. Um, in a positive note, no doubt, there's no effing and seeing at any stage. It's always well done. But even Maz has um, dabbled in umpiring before and had the umpire put up with more shit. So. I've never known anyone to like talk back as much as like when, you, when you're umpiring, but it might be like your own team, but bloody hell, I'll tell you what, it's hard work. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen that dog on the field yet. So... <laughs> You're more than welcome to pop over here anytime and have a kick too, you guys. Obviously, if he's looking that way. Oh, we would love to. Mate, we'd love to just get out of our house and go for a kick, but we can't <laughs> do that at the moment. <laughs> um, what about the, the AFL? Who do you guys follow in the AFL? We're a bit like chalk and cheese, aren't we, bud? So, um, so I'm a very much a Collingwood supporter. Oh, that's a shame. And I'm the arch nemesis in Essendon, so it's it's you know, you know how they come across and they turn around and say you know keep your friends close and your enemies close. So that's how me and Maz work. It's <laughs> kind of collective. <laughs> well, there we go. That's, that's how we work. Move, Rift. move your head a little bit, at dog. There, the Essendon in the back, and I'm a Carlton man. So uh, uh, it's always going to be a little bit of love and a bit of hate. Doesn't matter how you go about it. The, you know, we're all missing finals this year. I don't even think Collingwood would get in. That's my prediction. Nah, no, no we're, a game, we're a game and a half clear. I think we're all right. Nah. Week one finals, they'll be out. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who's your favourite player of all time then? Favourite player of all time? I think I'll have to go back to, like, to the Macedonian Marvel, really. I think just watching, watching Dacos back in the like, 80s, 90s, he was just amazing. Like, just, yeah, the stuff that he did. And I'm quite thankful that his son seems to be picking up some some of his skills. So hopefully it turns out to be just as good as, as his dad. Um, Tony Francis was actually one of my, my favourite Collingwood players. And he was, you know, back in, yeah, same 1990 premiership years. He was one of my favourite players. Got to actually meet him in um, 
in Kmart, like, you know, in school holidays, they used to do, like, the handball competition, saw him wandering around Kmart and got my footy signs, so it was quite cool. Nice, nice, and, yeah, it's good to see Dake, young uh, Josh, is it Josh Dacos? Yeah. Kicked a ripper a couple of weeks ago, very reminiscent of his old man, which is, uh, yeah, good to see, but what about you, bud? Who's your favourite player? I can't go past the, uh, the old Mr. Consistent Dustin Fletcher, like I said. Fullback, through and through myself. Um, he was just one of the kind of, you know, stalwarts of the game that just looked like never finishing. I think it was the fact that if it was up to him, he'd still be out there um, like a lot of players would do. You know, they just had the, the heart into it. Like he came into it as a, you know, 16-year-old school kid, I think. And he was as big as majority of the ones he was walking out on the park with. I think he was still going to high school and he was playing his first kick about. So, but yeah, you know. Dusty Fletch. Not many people turn around and like, you know, praise a someone in a position that's not a midfielder or a forward. Generally, all us backmen normally get kicked to the curb if we do a shit job, and if we kick their ass, we don't get any accolades. So, yeah, that's what I said. I kind of really enjoyed the fact that he was just a humble fella, went about his footy, hung around for a couple hundred games, what four hundred of them. Yeah, yeah, eighty years old when he retired, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and it's he's one of those players that, like you said, the full backs they don't usually get mentioned, and you got to be, you got to be one of the the best throughout an era to actually get your name mentioned. And Dusty and Sosilvani, you know, and Scarlet, Scarlet, yeah, um, yeah, and you, you know, there's probably ten other full backs at that time you couldn't even remember that were pretty decent, but. Fletch is probably the only one you can remember through those years, and he was bloody a ripper. And mate, I reckon he's, they need to get him back there now, still playing. He'd still go out, I reckon. For a fullback to win a club best and fairest in a premiership season, it's a it's a pretty incredible feat. Yeah, it's one of those ones that, like, I can luckily enough put my hand up in that losing granny. I actually got uh, best field because I think I held the the team. Full forward, that he won the league goal kicking that year. I've held him goalless, I think, in the granny. But yeah, still, forget all that. Like that kind of medal, you may as well just hand straight back. You'd rather be on the winning side of it by a point, you know, to get the guys home and all that type of goings on. Self accolades don't really do too much when you put all the hard yakker in and all you want, you know, at the end of it is to lift that silverware as a club. Yeah. Bucks knows all about that for Collingwood. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, only, he stated that the other week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. Um, that's the only reason I remembered it. But <laughs> um, all right, do you have time to do the throw some teammates under the bus before you got get going, bud? <laughs> oh, always. <laughs> all right, nice. Um, before we get right into that, there is one question we have to ask. You mentioned a one-point loss, and any time a close loss has come up, we've, it's brought us back to a topic that was hotly debated at our club last year, and that is, would you rather lose a game by one point or 100 points? I've had That's a lot of I think if you lose by 100 points, you just know that you've just been, you've just been beaten. Like, you know, it's, you know, you've just been overrun by a team. But to lose by one point means that you've put in effectively a 200% effort and you just haven't quite got there. I think that's more devastating than, than, than having them being um, thrashed. I'd have to agree. Yeah. All right. So... That's good. So let's get into it now. now Especially so, being a granny that I lost by a point, like you can't relive that. Yeah, no, I was, I was in the same. I, I lost, well, I think it was two points in the end we lost by. I lost a granny last year. Um, it was tough, but I'd rather know I was in the game till the end and instead of out of it from the start if I'm going down by 100. Um, but all right, let's, let's throw those teammates under the bus at Dog. What do you got first? All right. So, who at the club is the uh, the class clown? Who do you reckon, Bob? Well, in a roundabout way, he might obviously turn around and deny this, um, but I reckon our current club class clown is probably Rossi. 
Um, yep. He rocked up to the end of season um, awards night last year in a, it was a bit of a 1970s skin tight kind of um, gold shirt that was nowhere near the dress code or anything like that. But he pulled it off, shaved head, kind of, you know, got back going and started doing the worm on the dance floor and all that. He just, he kind of went for it. And, well, to be fair, has been known off. to play footy in a Jane Fonda headband as well. So he's, uh, yeah. He's going to be a front runner for the next one as well. So who's the party animal? Now, I reckon that's um, split between two, um, between probably Ginge and Brownie. Would you say the same? Yes. <laughs> but every either club function, um, team drinks or anything, we've got a, a young fella who obviously, yeah, he works hard with the NHS, but he parties just as bloody hard. He's always there from generally kind of helping out first thing in the morning and he'll be there last drinks, smiling away. No worries at all. Uh, that's all right. As long as you, you work hard, you get to party hard. But um, all right, who's the, the bloke that takes the game far too serious? And um, with the way that you abuse the umpires, bud, I think it might be you. I reckon. I'll have to take the hat on that um, front. I think... I. I think we'd have probably one or two from the ladies team that might be quite serious too, Maz, would you agree? Um, yeah, we've got, yeah, I think, um, like Susie, Susie, I think you've spoken to, is our GB team. She takes the game quite quite seriously, so, yeah. Uh, did she throw herself under the bus when... I think she did. One? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, so I think she was happy yeah. to own up to that. I, tell you uh, what, Rifty, I do feel sort of bad. We've got pretty much right to the end of the episode without actually mentioning Susie. Yeah, yeah. She's been a fantastic player. I think she um came was well, she spoke to you, but initially she's got hockey background, and came yeah, came right, through yeah. came through to the club and like literally within a year made the GB team. So, you know, for someone who's brand new to the game, she's fantastic, fantastic little midfielder. No, that's awesome, and we're found it. It's great that um girls and guys over there that get this chance to, you know learn a new game and then get to represent their country. And uh, it's, it's awesome. But all right, we've got a couple more. Who's, who's the player you wouldn't want to share a room with on one of these amazing trips away? Well, I reckon the boys might have to take the coat there, but I think you might have to throw a few under the bus. The girls are generally pretty good. Um, generally those that, um, like I said, we've got the two year turnover mob, you know, as in they come, they play, they leave. Um, I might have to go back, back into the depths and say, I hope he actually listened. I'm going to send this bloke this anyway. A chap called Benham, he was just an absolute bloody menace. And obviously, if you wanted to have a wink of sleep, that would not be happening anywhere within a two-mile radius of that chap. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I've been as kind as I can because I know this <laughs> might be going out to tender years. So. <laughs> I could tell that you are holding your tongue a little bit and there's a few things that you want to say that you figure probably not the smartest thing to, no, not, not the safest platform um <laughs> how about the best nickname at the club i think oh, i think snatch wings that one yeah no you can't let people self-proclaim their nicknames with we, we have a we're um very heavy against people giving themselves nicknames at our club and when blokes try to do it we're quick to give them a new a new nickname of something else but there's only one bloke that's been successful at doing it and he had to near break his ankle to do it so <laughs> well, i think that's pretty much our club ethos isn't it bud you seem to be the one that gives finds a nickname for people straight away well yeah it's just you pick up on their characteristics or you you mould and shape their last names and you just go on a bit of drunk tangents most of the time, you know? Anyone's got long hair and a beard, they look like Jesus to me, so <laughs> no offence to guys. But um, we, were in, we were in Sweden, I think, 2014, and we were stretching and there was a young fella from Launceston who joined us and he's turned around saying, does anyone know where Spoofer is? And we're like, Spoofer, and he's like, everyone's every club's got a spoofer, <laughs> and the, the only the only fella who didn't hear it said, "What was that?" And he goes, "Oh, there's spoofer over there." So he just picked that name up straight away. So, <laughs> poor fella. Oh, nice. He's the only one, wasn't. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, all right, 
we better let you go, bud. Uh, and thanks for joining us, bud and Maz. We do appreciate you taking your time. Um, where can everyone go to, to check out and follow along with South East London Giants on, on social media? Uh, so I guess they can check out our Facebook page, um, South East London Giants, and then um, we've got uh, Instagram as well. So, um, yeah, check us out. There are two, our two main platforms at the moment. Yeah, very nice. Uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, take care. Thank Absolutely you. Thanks great. for having us. Thanks again, guys, and hope you are out and about having a kick soon. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Look after yourselves, guys. Thank you. Yes. you too. Thank See you. you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP.